Welcome to the Virtual Expats Podcast, which is part of the Virtual Expats PodTube experience, which, as you may guess, is part podcast, part YouTube channel. In the podcast, we chat with people who are living outside their passport countries and how their geographic movement affects what they do online and their online presence. On the YouTube channel, I go into more of the personal aspect of my own expat experience and how it affects what I do online. Who am I? My name is Stephanie, and I have been an expat for the vast majority of the past 15 years, and I'm currently living in Shanghai, China. I'm very excited today to have you listen to a conversation that I had with Eva Yu. Eva is a journalist who's from South Korea. She has lived in the U.S., the U.K., Ecuador, and China. Last year, she did an eight-month cycling trip from Shanghai to London. You heard me right, an eight-month cycling trip. I do have to give a special shout out and thank you to the folks involved with the podcast Brunch Club. That's where I met Eva last year when she was living in Shanghai and we were both involved in the podcast Brunch Club. It is an international group that has 60 branches all over the world. Thank you to Adela who created the podcast Brunch Club and thank you to our local host Shannon Martin. Let's have a listen to what Eva said about her online presence as she maneuvered all of these places. Well, thank you so much, Eva, for joining us on Virtual Expats today. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. Well, let's dive in. What Now, you have the advantage of being from South Korea, which has, if I remember correctly, the fastest internet in the world, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm probably going to be very jealous of all of your answers of your early internet experiences. So just know that now when I make the faces, I know the, the listener, listeners, you're not going to see my faces, but Eva will see my jealousy coming through. <laughs> when was the first time that you were really online in um, everyday kind of, I need this kind of way? My cousin, he had a, he had his computer when I was like six or seven. That's like 1997 or something mm -hmm. and I was staying in my grandma's house where he had his computer at that time we didn't even have windows you know you we had to get into the the black screen dedos and he had to type in some English coding yeah. to get into to use like to play games and everything and so that was the first time I kind of Ah, oh, observe someone using computer right. and like playing games and all that. And then when I was, uh, when it was like 1998, I was in a after school because my mom and dad both goes to work and they come back at 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. They sent me to this uh, after after school, and then there I saw my uh, homeroom teacher using Windows and. It was like, it was so easy and it was like so straightforward. And I quickly kind of knew what I wanted to do. So I started playing card games using internet since I was like nine, nine or eight, 1998 uh, or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what kind uh, of card games were you playing? Ah, uh, how should I say? It's like drag and drop, like, car games that you kind of the cards like, like this and then you have to flip them over yeah solitaire yeah. solitaire yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that was my first experience oh my and god that was so addictive yeah. <laughs> yeah and then uh i started using internet uh when our family moved to us mm -hmm. arizona 
So we brought the the Korean computer to U.S. Mm-hmm. So my internet life was all Korean, and I started writing uh, emails to my friends, putting some decorative cards, and I started like playing with the internet. Like there was a really like child use internet. Like we had our own Google at that time. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like year 2000 and we had like internet for children and there they had a lot of games for girls to play with dolls and everything. And then, yeah, yeah I played with it. So um, were you so about 11 years old then? Yeah. 10 years old, three in us. So yeah. 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 Wow. That's really young. Did you notice at that time, the speed difference in the internet when I know it's just playing cards and games and stuff, but did you notice the speed difference from when you moved to Korea from when you moved to the U S you know, I really realized the speed of, internet like when i moved to uk in 2011 before then i took it for like granted i didn't know i didn't even know like korea had like fast internet and all that like and korea really didn't have like that presence until like 2008 or something so i didn't realize south korea is a special country mm-hmm. until then like until uh when i really like uh, visited other countries I started to realize that oh Korea had like big companies like seriously it was really after 2010 I realized that difference before right. that like Koreans didn't really know yeah right, right yeah yeah I uh, I moved from just a little bit of context why I keep harping on the speed is I moved from San Francisco to Taiwan in 2003 uh-huh. and I had traveled outside the U S before, but I had never been to Asia. And I was, I'm, I was even back then the type of person that had about 10 different windows open. Cause I was, there were so many things I was trying to do at the same time. And yeah. the internet was so fast in Taiwan at that point, And I'm sure it's even more so now that I could only have two screens open at one time. Like that's oh, how wow. things were being processed. And so I thought, and I thought that was it. That was the fastest. So I looked up the internet speeds and saw that Korea, Korea was even above Taiwan. And I just went, I can't even go there. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't even handle it. <laughs> but, yeah, because I was quite happy with the speed in the U.S. until I knew better. <laughs> uh-huh. Got it. Because uh, Korea has a lot of population and people don't like waiting. And yeah. so you have that culture of being, like, really fast and quick. Yeah. People cannot stand the, like, really late process. So yeah. it's, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Okay, so you were playing games, and in Arizona, it was still games as well. And when did you start doing things other than games online? I started reading web novels from age 11. You know, K-pop is, like, really famous. Mm -hmm. I mean, K-pop was not famous, like, before, like, 2010. But inside Korea, there was a huge fandom for those idol and, like, good-looking singers. And so Koreans are very imaginative, like, when it comes to novels and cartoons. And even at uh, age 10, girls were reading web novels. Those novels were, like, say, like, three to five minutes read. Mm -hmm. And it keeps pops up, like, day by day. And Mm -hmm. so... In the classroom, I, I came back to Korea in 2001, and I even had like some classmates at age 10 already writing web novels, which wow. was really impressive. <laughs> and, uh, and we both uh, followed the same singer, the same idol, and so it kind of 
it was all that culture. Like growing up as a student in Korea, you like naturally get access to all those web novels and cartoons and all that. And so that, that became like 70 or 8%, 80% of all my internet usage. And the other 20 to 30% is doing homework. Yeah. Oh, doing homework online. Yeah. In, in classroom, they give you a lot of homework and you can only do it using internet. And they ask you to use PowerPoint at, yeah, yeah. at least like 11. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're yeah. used to- now, you said your friends were also writing these novels at the age of 10. Were you writing about these idols as well? No, I couldn't really, like, read. I didn't have that imagination. Our homeroom teacher asked us to, yeah, it was it was when I was uh, grade 6, like, age 11. They asked us to upload your diary online. And uh, you have to watch uh, news on TV and then like briefly summarize and write your comment mm-hmm. online. So there's a, like every class has a website yeah. where all those classmates have to contribute right. and write comments down below. Right. So it's like, it's really all culture. Okay. Yeah. We're <laughs> the U S was so far behind you guys. Cause we were doing that like 10 years later in 2001. I remember this specifically cause I graduated from university in 2001 at a tech technological school, actually, like a polytechnic in California. And we, the main things we had online were two things. One, Hotmail was very popular. <laughs> and uh-huh. two, we could go into like list servers, but you had to go, like you were talking at the beginning, you had to go into the prompt and like type in the code to get into the groups for like uh-huh. study groups or like some for sale groups, apartments for rent, those kinds of things. But it was all on the orange screen with code. And those oh, were the wow. only two things we were doing online at that, at, at, in 2001. <laughs> oh. And you guys already had course management systems for, yes. oh, wow. <laughs> Huge then, difference. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of really exciting communities, like, uh, when I came back to Korea in 2011, I found a, a online community called Hogwarts, like really like Harry Potter oh, life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, when I register, they put me into the four different groups, you know, and I was Gryffindor. And they give you homework. There were like professors who give you magical homework. And like, I don't know, they talk about one day talk about, oh, this is a a medicine lesson and they give you homework and then I do digital homework and, and the, the, all the Gryffindors, Slytherin, they all get points. And Oh my God, it was already really huge in 2011 for age 10 year old girl. And wow. Wow. That was amazing. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, outside of school, did you have time to do anything for fun on the internet? Because it sounds like you were very busy with the different the homework and different just school after school classes. Okay, Bushibon Hagwan is it? Yeah, 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 Hagwan. Okay. Yeah. So were you do were you still playing the games in your free time on the internet as well? Uh, actually, I didn't. Once I started reading web novels and I got into the the fandom of uh, idols, mm-hmm. I didn't play games at all. And I yeah, I didn't. Yes, wholly like my my time was all contributed to like watching the my favorite singer related content and all that and so it totally moved into that and so 
I naturally moved out of games and yeah, apart from Fulmark, it was all that. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask who the favorite singer was that, that you and your friend were really into? Oh, it was like in the elementary school, it was Xinhua. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're not really famous now, but, but they were. And then in middle school, I got into TVFSQ. TVFSQ. XQ. Okay. They are also quite famous in China and Japan still now. So they're quite handsome. Nice. Okay. I didn't, I didn't follow all that. Like it was all before yeah, high school. So we've got games, then we've got the web novels, then we've got lots of homework on really cool course management systems. So what did you do online after all of that? From high school, we had our own Facebook. Like it was called SciWorld and it was popular since 2005. Mm-hmm. And everyone, like middle school students, like even elementary school students, they all had their own kind of page on SciWorld. And uh, it, it was very commercial. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you could, you could, put on like music on your it's like a website it's like a mini website and uh you could turn on music you could put on fancy like backgrounds uh, and you had to pay pay for them like online not online but you had to yeah you have to transact online and uh it has a like the company earned a lot of money until 2011 when facebook like usage like went like upsurge in Korea. So right. it was back then, wow, really popular. Was this a, a Korean company or it was part of the school? It was uh, online. It was, it was born out in Korea. It was whole Korean thing. And I actually, I just met the a company who owned it like 30 minutes ago. He told me they sold it to China in 2011 or 12. Yeah. Oh, yes. Social media. I never heard about that before. Wow. They sold it to China. And did they repurpose it as something? That's interesting. What? What? Oh, my gosh. Okay. This is all very new information. This is cool. (laughs) Korea also has their own thing. And uh, now they're, and some of them, we still keep it just like Baidu. Like we have like Korean Google neighbor and 70% of Koreans still use it for Mm -hmm for search engine and for emails mm-hmm. and uh, and I think other services now we all substituted to the American ones like mm-hmm. Facebook or Twitter with neighbor have you ever done any searches of like the same information to see what comes up different between neighbor and and Google what neighbor is uh, criticized for is that they kind of um allow the advertisers mm-hmm. Like they get money from the companies and they put the results up front. And so say Google is much more kind of equal to the like good quality information or a reputation. But uh, for a neighbor, they were criticized because they put the ones that are paying more money like up front and the the ones they didn't pay, they put it down. So uh, they were, yeah criticized but I think it's getting better they they realize this problem and it it has been issue in Korea and so I think they're 
uh, fixing that problem. But I do have similar problems. So. Okay, so that sounds like the beginning of your social social media experience. What kinds of things did you do the most on SciWorld? Writing diary and putting up pictures. There's like two two different categories. Mm-hmm. There's one called because like you know the SciWorld itself, mm-hmm. they copied the. Uh, copied your ah it's not in u.s so it's really hard to explain uh, but you know in korea every year with in new year we buy a diary and mm-hmm. in the diary you have place you have like you have calendar do you have weekly calendars you have where you put like your friends contacts and the side world is an online version of that so it has diary it has album and it has a uh, where friends write a uh, like post for you and so it's either like putting up photos or writing diary, like really sincere one. And okay. yeah, I spent a lot of time on that and visiting my friends. Styled. And you know, in Asian countries, mm-hmm. it, it really matters like how people look at you mm-hmm. and uh, how people think about you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as a friend, you must visit your friend's um, side world and keep like putting com- comments and yeah. uh, writing, oh, I miss you. And I think we can meet up like next week. It was a big deal back then. So if you were, were not on SciWorld for a few days, your friends were like seriously pressuring you. Hey, what's happening? What's going on? I don't have, not getting maybe, maybe, yeah, something like that. Back then it was a serious thing. Sorry, did you say SciWorld's still up now or it got, that's the one that got sold? Well, in 2011, SciWorld lost all the users to Facebook. Oh. People no longer visited SciWorld. Yeah. And now the company knows that. And so they, they allow the people to make a like real diary out of their all contents on SciWorld. Mm-hmm. So I did that actually. So I brought out like all my content that I uploaded on SciWorld and I just like had them, I have it in a PDF. Yeah. And it's like so many pages because <laughs> I were like, eight years and wow it's like it's so huge wow was there once you actually got the pdf was there anything surprising that you forgot about that was in there yeah it's all my childhood memories Mm -hmm. and so it's so surprising like what I wrote back then like wow when I was like 10 years old 15 years old I have it all and it it feels really weird yeah yeah does it feel like a different person like it wasn't even young yeah oh oh childish like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have a lot from my childhood because it was all paper forms and I tend to like write a lot and then I would like throw it away and forget about it. But I have some digital stuff from my early 20s and I do not know who that person was. <laughs> Every time I look I at it, like, how did I think this? What is happening here? How am I the same person? <laughs> exactly. So that was 2005. What happened after that? So the neighbor, the search engine, the biggest search engine in Korea, they started a blogging service. And as time goes by, it was better than SciWorld. So people moved on to neighbor blogs. And uh, I also did that. So in, in 2012, I was volunteering in Ecuador for one year. And I didn't bring phone there. So like my social media was wholly on Facebook and, and neighbor blog. So mm-hmm. since then I, I really started writing like serious, like uh blog posts with all my pictures and diary combined. Mm-hmm. And it was so comfortable. I just had to uh, manage a neighbor and I just linked it to 
or Facebook, and still, and it's still valid. I still do that. The same thing. Is that is that、uh, is that blog still online? That's yep. Not, not and,、uh, I have like six hundred visits every day. Wow! What? Yeah. I, what's the name of the site? Oh, I, I can link you.、Uh, and I write about everything, like、uh, doing business in China and my life in Korea, China, and、uh, yeah, it's it's everything. Like、Wait. I sometimes write poetry. Yeah. So you started it in 2012, and you've you've kept it going the whole time. Let, well, let's backtrack. You said you were doing volunteer work in Ecuador. What were you doing? I was teaching Korean to the young students in、uh, Ecuador, and I and it was a lot of like cultural exchange.、Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I had to teach Korean in Spanish. So I learned、uh, Spanish there, and I lived with、uh, local people. It was a、uh, Life-changing experience because I think I was kind of born as a privileged in family. Family, yeah. Because it's like it's really hard to find、uh, Koreans who lived overseas in young age, and I did. So when I went to Ecuador, it was a kind of culture shock because, yeah, it was a very poor church, and I lived there like one year,、mm-hmm. uh, not having any money at all. Having always like cold showers, I didn't use like washing machine. I always wash with hands, but I also learned a lot of things there. And yeah, I think yeah, I I really remember all those things with、uh, like really deep emotions because yeah, also because I didn't have phone, I didn't have like other life. I only like only focused in the moment and like only like. Use internet in free times, which was like one hour in two days. It was like so precious, right, right? And so, yeah, that sounds like an amazing experience. How did you end up in Ecuador? In Korea, there's a lot of、uh, overseas volunteering program, and it's like Korea sends like 600 students to 80 countries、mm-hmm. through this organization. It's a Christian organization. Well, I'm I'm born as a Catholic, but I just wanted to、uh, live in overseas, so I I just、uh, went there. And nobody wanted to go to Ecuador. Like there are popular countries such as U.S. or Mexico or Peru or yeah, there are popular countries. But I wanted to go to a country where they really need hands、mm-hmm. and where they have a. Really traditional culture, like Indiana culture. That's why I chose Ecuador, and yeah, it was really tough, but yeah, it was really worthwhile. I I wanted to go somewhere that is the mo the farthest from South Korea, and it was it was South America, and so that's why I chose there. And、yeah. wow, I never regret it. It's I think if I fail really hard in life, I think I'll I'll visit Ecuador. Because they re- still remember me as a, like a, how should I say, me without any like performance, you know, like、mm-hmm. um, job performance. They just remember me as a Eva, like a, me and myself, and like as a happy child working and、yeah. soccer. And so, yeah. yeah, I feel comfortable. Oh, that's、yeah. amazing! Now we are focused on the vi- the virtual, so I have to ask this: going from Korea, where you were massively online, to Ecuador, where you were spending, like you said, an hour a day, an hour maybe every other day. 
Did yeah. you go through any sort of internet withdrawals or did you miss it at all? Actually, I wanted to get out of that because my friends, they took their phones and I saw them like whenever they had free time, they were chatting with uh, friends in Korea. And, you know, Korea has their own WhatsApp or WeChat called Kakao Talk. And they were always talking to their friends on Kakao Talk. So this, this is the backstory. So when I was in the U.S., I really loved the U.S. and they also loved me. I really like, loved living in U.S. And then I had to come back to Korea and I had a kind of reverse culture shock from Korea. And I always wanted to go overseas. And so, yeah, from age 20, I sought for all any ways to go overseas. And that, that's why I went to Ecuador. So I wanted to get out of all that Korea life when I was in Ecuador. That's why I didn't bring my phone. And, um, it was really helpful because it allows you to focus mm-hmm. because like when they complain about their life in Ecuador, their friends always tell them to come back to Korea and they did. So one of the girls, she spent nine months and went back and the other guy, he spent like 11 months and went back. And I, I was the only one who spent the whole year there and it was, uh, yeah, it was really worthwhile. Like once you focus, on something and like don't think about other options it gives you a lot of lessons well I've noticed some people oh what do they call it like a social media fast where they'll like not be online for a few days like intentionally or they'll they'll turn their phone off for the weekend that kind of thing but you did it for a year (laughs) before it was even a thing that's amazing when you returned to Korea did you find yourself getting back to your old digital habits Well, I had to because like being in Korea means you need to come back to all that. And because after I came back to Korea, I got my first job as a marketing manager at a startup. Mm -hmm. And so with that came all the loads of work uh, that I had to do online. Mm -hmm. And I, as a marketing manager, I had to use social media like Facebook and Twitter and blog. Like it was a huge workload and I had to live online and I, it was like totally backwards. Like I had to spend 12 hours or more time online. And so I had a huge stress because this Korean company sent me to Israel for seven months and I had to like bring up the kind of traffic from Israel side. Mm -hmm. And I had to edit video, which took me like 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So like once a week, I had to like stay up all night to match the time I have to send that video back to Korea. And so it was totally backwards. I was only like, say only like 10 hours away from the computer. And always I had to be online. And I was like, it was too much. And my friends worried a lot. Yeah, because I was always worried. I had that pressure that I have to make performance in Israel both the Korea working time and Israel working time. And so, yeah. You were just working all the time. Yes, that's right. And that was for seven. Wait, how long did you have that marketing job? I know you were in Israel for seven months, but you were in Korea doing it part of the time too. No, I was uh, wholly in Israel for seven months and I didn't go back to Korea back then. And for three months I did that and I couldn't live with that anymore. And so it was then I 
at the time I worked as a freelance journalist, should I say? Yeah. And then I interviewed 75 startups in Israel. Like I visited their office and did face to face interview and uploaded it on YouTube. And that kind of created some traffic. And that's was, that was all start of my journalist job as well. Oh, wow. Okay. So the, the interviews that you were doing, that was part of the marketing job or that was just your way of getting out of the marketing, like doing something else? Oh, actually it was part of the marketing job. So the CEO asked me to set up the strategy to get into Israel market. At the time I was really curious about startups. So I told him that, Oh, I want to go interview all the startups there. Yeah. And so along with the managing all the social networks, I had to interview like three to four companies every week. So it was a huge workload. Yeah. yeah a lot. Uh, articles and doing the social networks. Oh my gosh. So you were just working yeah. all the time. Yeah. Even the weekends. Yeah. Just so it was, it was crazy. Okay. So Eva's a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. Are you awesome? I need your help. Dear workaholics in spreading the information about the virtual expats podcast. Can you please take just a moment out of your time? You could even pause right now and just take a quick screenshot of, of the podcast information and post it anywhere online. You could just post the picture with a thumbs up or a smiley face, and that would get the message across too. I'd like word of mouth to lead us to a place of digital happiness, where many, many people are contributing information, questions, feedback, and interviews to this podcast and the research that we're doing by chatting with people living outside their home or passport countries about what their geographic movement does to their online presence. Thank you for everything and anything that you do to help spread the word about virtual expats. Thank you. You may commence working now. Okay, but you were in Israel for seven months. And after Israel, did you go back to Korea or did you go to another country? Oh, I came back to Korea and that was my last semester in my university. And so I did my last semester in Korea and then Oh, uh, the same Korean company sent me to Silicon Valley as a business development. Well, he had a really big dream. I mean, he wanted to establish partnership with Facebook, Twitter, and Evernote. And I visited all those companies. <laughs> oh my gosh. So wait, wait, wait. Backtrack a second here. When you were in Israel, that was before you finished university. Yeah, that's right. Was that an internship or something? Or that was just a full-time job that you did in the middle of university? Basically, Korean university allows you to rest like five years. And Korean students uh, rest uh, university about like 2.5 years before graduation. So it's very natural thing. And it was a internship. It was a internship and uh, it was a Korean government supported. And so Korean government pays for my stay every month. And I think they spent $10,000 uh, for my my whole stay. So so it's like basically they chose 15 young Koreans who will learn the Israel startup ecosystem and I don't know, contribute to country back to Korea. And I was accepted. And so yeah, I was pretty lucky. And it was yeah, it was really good. I mean, they they allowed me to study in uh, Israeli university for two months to learn the entrepreneurship and do the internship for with the Israeli company for four months. And wow, it was really valuable experience. 
Okay, let's talk about the Israeli internet. When you were there, were you on, huh, I keep talking about different like countries' internets, which do exist, right? I mean, you've got the different apps and websites you were talking about in Korea. You've got the American ones, which are in a lot of ways international ones that a lot of people use. You've got ones that are just used in China. Ah, it's so confusing. Um, <laughs> were there any Israeli websites or apps that you use there that you didn't know of beforehand? Actually, when you go to Israel, you're surprised by how much English-friendly the environment really is. Yeah. And, uh, and it was all, like, in accord with U.S. And, like, I would say, like, 80%, it's all same with the uh, U.S. Because, like, many of them are immigrants, either from overseas countries or from many of them were brought up in New York and then they came to Israel. And yeah. so... I I think it was I was wholly using like Facebook, Gmail and all that and it was all the same. It was only like tech uh tech websites those were different and like some localized services mm-hmm. such as doing the pay- online payments and building websites like those services were like really niche mm-hmm. and so I would say yeah 80% it was like all accord with all US Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So from Israel back to Korea and then over to Silicon Valley. Yep. Wow. I forgot to ask you before, when you lived in Arizona as a child, what city were you in? Arizona, Phoenix. Nice. Yes, it was very nice. I lived in um, I lived in Tucson for graduate school. Not as not as exciting as Phoenix. All right, so let's go to Silicon Valley then. So, how long were you there for that project? It was only three months, and it was also government supported. You know, Korean government. I'm moving to Korea. It's it's over. It's done. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, there is. Like, I'm pretty sure once uh, foreign startups want to go to Korea, like government will give you like free office space and give you investment and oh my god they're gonna support you a lot so yeah so you went to ecuador and israel and 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 the u.s all through funding from your government that's right what were you doing online when you were in california i was business development so i cut down all my like social media life like i didn't do any blogging because i felt like once I have free time, I have to make some productive uh, work, mm-hmm. like um, writing articles or, you know, like being a business development, you have to show some performance, like achieving partnership with people or or get some like sales or, yeah, it was like wholly different from like writing article and like writing content. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was kind of introvert, like about getting in, reaching out to people and uh, actually visit them face to face. And as an uh, Asian girl, it was different from who they imagine as a business development. Mm. So it was really tough. And I ended up not having any partnership with those companies. And they were actually like, it was a lot of layers to get up to that executed level. Mm-hmm. I could only talk to like really low person and it didn't work out as I thought and the company intended. And also, yeah, it was also very hard to get sales. And I was, I think I was not like adequate person to be in business development, but uh, I ended up getting the first prize in a 
demo day when startups all have to present. Mm. And so, wow, it was a good ending because otherwise I would have felt really sorry for my CEO sending me to Silicon Valley and not having any achievement. Yeah, that's that's what I came back to Korea with. Yeah. So Eva, I'm drawing a little timeline as you're speaking, oh and all I can see is workaholic, 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 workaholic. <laughs> and I can only say that because I understand. I work too much too. <laughs> I'm just like, my goodness, girl, what are you doing online for fun? Okay, at what point in your life did you do a little less work for work and a little more online stuff for you? When did that shift happen? It was when I started living in China. Okay, let's put a year on it. What what year were we talking here? I interviewed a Chinese CEO in when I was in Korea, mm-hmm. and that was my that was the first Chinese CEO I ever met in life. And I always wanted to go to China since I since age ten. Mm-hmm. So I told him that I want to live in China, and mm-hmm. I wanted to know some opportunities in China. Mm-hmm. He allowed me to work for his company, which is Ticknote. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, biggest media in China, and yeah. so that's when I became full time journalist, and I was really comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, writing article is so stress relieving compared to like this being business development or social media person. Sure. Oh my god! I was like <laughs> super happy, and I was the first foreigner in my company, and it was like it was so exciting with all that like surrounded by. Chinese people learning Chinese. It was so, it was so good experience. Everybody like liked me and, um, I, you know, I always felt like one of them, you know, in Israel, US, Korea, since there's always like huge competition and there's a huge like cultural barrier. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. For example, Israel, you have to speak Hebrew and you have to go to military to get into their culture. Right. Silicon Valley, maybe blonde, maybe from the one of the top university in US, and then you get to, into the society. And Korea, you have to get into the top university to get into their their society. So I felt like I'm always one of them and like I have to catch up with the competition right. from others. But um, in China, I felt like I'm the only one. Yeah. Like, I speak Korean, Chinese, English. I, I talk to, like, Chinese people as if I'm Chinese and Korean group and English-speaking group. And I felt so free. And now I could play on social media as I wanted to because yeah. now my boss is Chinese and he doesn't understand Korean. And so I, I was so <laughs> free. Oh, my God. I was so free. And I started writing all the observations in Korean. It was, it was so fun because nobody could like track me. What, what am I doing in Korean? So, oh my God, I was, I was so happy. I started to find myself like, oh, well, what do I like? What do I want it to do? From 2015, it was like all good. Yeah. So was it mostly writing that you were doing online or were there other projects as well? Yeah, it was mostly blogging and mm-hmm. then... I started going out to communities. You know, Technode was like, it was so free working culture. They, from 2016, they allowed me to work at home. Mm -hmm. So I was going to office only once a week. And then otherwise I would like always 
be at home or uh, cafes or co-working space writing articles. And I wanted like human contact, but mm-hmm. apart from like business, that's why I went to all the discussion groups, like podcast discussion. Yeah, there were so many good discussion groups, mm-hmm. like reading books, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos. Wow. And I really loved all that. And I felt I felt, found a like true connection with all that discussions. And um, also, yeah, I think it was mostly like discussions and meetups. Did you say there was a meetup for people talking about YouTube channels? Ah, uh, yeah, it's called a uh, meaningful discussion. Oh, uh, I didn't realize what they talked about. I, I saw I saw their topics before, but I didn't realize they talked about YouTube. Okay, I have to revisit them because I. I consume a lot of content and a great deal of it is off of YouTube. <laughs> ah, it's really amazing because they allow, they, uh, as a homework, you have to watch 12 YouTube videos that are maybe, uh, one minute long to like maybe 15 minutes long. Oh, and it's all very like content focused. It's really good content. It's really rich, high quality 12 YouTube videos. And I really enjoy watching it. It really like makes my, brain like really creative and aware of all that happening in the world and so wow that's my favorite actually discussion group yeah yeah oh that's amazing okay one second Ava uh for the listeners if you are coming through Shanghai or moving to Shanghai there are a ton of discussion groups like Eva's saying and a lot Mm -hmm. of them are listed they're on WeChat but they're also on meetup.com that's where I found the podcast brunch club and I think meaningful discussions on is on there too right Eva that's right yeah meetup.com which I think is a U.S.-based company but it was never this popular in the U.S. when I was there (laughs) it's from Canada I just realized yesterday it's a North yeah. American company. <laughs> it's from Canada, but I've, I've never seen it th- this popular anywhere in the world, but in Shanghai, it's got so many groups on there and they're good oh my God. groups. Yeah. I know. It's really fun. Okay. So what kinds of things were you writing about online? I think it's all in two layers. So firstly, because I write articles in English, I translated into Korean and I posted on blog because yeah, Koreans are usually not good at English. And so, yeah, I translate it. And um, secondly, it's all my life in China as a journalist mm-hmm. and as a 20-something-year-old 20, 20 mm-hmm. and my observations on that. So I would write about, say, for example, let's say I went on a business trip to Shenzhen mm-hmm. and there's like two types of content. It's all, either like startup interviews mm-hmm. that I do have to do in my professional life. And yeah. then I, in my free time, I always meet locals, either using, using couchsurfing or uh, Tantan, the dating app from mm-hmm. China. I always try to meet locals and I try to um, have meal with them. Mm-hmm. It's really valuable because, you know, sometimes when you visit like different cities in China, it seems like, well, I cannot say it's a different country, but it's a, uh, total new thing and uh, learn a lot of things from the locals Mm -hmm. and I just love meeting locals and so it's like the conversation I had with the locals Mm -hmm. it's the food culture it's the history I realized and and I also always write a post after discussion so when you started to blog who did you think you were writing to who did you think your audience was going to be Firstly, I write everything. I think I write it for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why I started writing online was back 
when I was in UK as an exchange student.、Mm-hmm. And English dating culture is so different from Korea. You know, I was living in dorms, and it was a total cultural shock when they had condom covers in toilets. And it was like, because in Korea you start with like eating meals with them, and maybe it's like so many years later you talk about sex and all that. And、yeah. it was like UK, it's like right straightforward. And、yeah. I don't have any Korean friends with me in UK,、yeah. and I and I have to talk to myself. I had my first boyfriend in UK, and wow, things were going so quick. And I needed to discuss this with someone, you know, talking about the time difference and all that. I、yeah. couldn't talk to anyone because、yeah. they cannot understand me, anyways, if they're in not in this situation.、Right. That's when I write started writing like really detailed diaries about. Justifying why I did this and what do I think about it?、Um, am I happy with myself going with this situations?、Yeah. And it kind of made myself like strong. I started building up like self confidence, and I started realizing who I am and how I'm different from others.、Yeah. And it was really important process for me. For me, writing something down is like how I see myself in this. So many like、uh, fast changing worlds, and so yeah, it's like sort of like communication with myself. Yeah, I I have a very similar experience with writing.、Uh, when I moved to Taiwan in two thousand three, I it was a very isolating experience. I wasn't in the capital, and I didn't know any of the language. And the majority of the signs around me were in the characters, which I had only really seen on restaurant menus before then in the, in different countries. And so I ended up. Online, just like coming home every night from work and just like pounding、uh-huh. on the keyboard, just to process what I was doing, what I was thinking, what I was. And honestly, I wrote at, when I would stop at the end, I'd be like exhausted and go, "Wait a minute, I said that." Like I just, I didn't realize I was think I needed, I, like I was thinking that I was processing that, like I was, I was kind of unveiling what was going on in here in my brain. Yeah, really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. I was just like, okay, I guess I need to. Right to discover what I'm feeling. <laughs> it was yeah. So I I relate completely to that. Did you write about your dating experiences on this blog? I'm kind of careful with that, you know, like、yeah. because Koreans can be really conservative. So for example, I never put on like selfies of me and a guy、yeah. on my blog because like they can like judge me. I don't I don't know. Like I don't feel comfortable. So sometimes I would only like. Write down the conversation we had and、uh, take picture of the food we ate together, something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's why、so, I accidentally did, and it was a very big mistake, and I ended up taking them down afterwards. So that's very, very, very wise. But okay, wait, we skipped the UK. I, I fast forward to you a little bit. So let's go back to Silicon Valley geographically. After Silicon Valley for three months, where where were you? I came back to Korea and. I had kind of three months of、uh, free time, and I moved to Shanghai、mm-hmm. in January two thousand fifteen. 
Holy cow, you've lived in so many places. Have you lived in a lot of places? I have, Eva has, have you? If so, and you're interested in this topic of our virtual lives and our geographic lives and how they affect each other, please do contact me. I'm all over social media with the same name, Steph Fuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, LinkedIn, and for now, Facebook. That's also my Gmail address. So however you'd like to contact me, do so and we'll get you on virtual expats. Thank you so much. Well, since you've been writing the blog for a number of years now, do you ever feel pressure when you don't feel like writing that you have to because there are people reading it? I really feel the pressure when it comes to the language because I have an audience of like three language groups, Korean, English, and Chinese. Mm -hmm. And for Koreans, it's like oversupply thinking about the demand. It's Mm -hmm. like I post like sometimes I post daily and uh, uh, for Chinese group, there's a huge demand, mm-hmm. but I supply so little because once I posted um, my diary and there were like 2,200 views on that whole post and I was so surprised. And for English groups, I think, yeah, I think it's a little low than what is needed. And so there's kind of like, yeah, pressure for me to keep up with all of them. Otherwise, because they come, they come to me and ask like, what's going on? Why, why don't you post like your, your things? What's going on there? And so I don't want to make them worried. And so I try to keep to all the audience. Because it's a personal blog. I feel the need to ask you if you're ever going to turn it into a podcast. Uh Well, that's a really good idea. And I considered it and I was actually a podcast host for one year and a half in Shanghai. Oh, and, uh, but uh, what podcast were you? I was a co-host, and it was it was totally like China business related, oh. and I was having like journalistic views on what's happening in China, mm-hmm. and so I thought it really there needs to be like really clear purpose, and mm-hmm. you know, um, at the moment I'm keeping my blog, and I have a lot of videos I have to upload on YouTube, yeah, and yeah. so I think. I will, yeah, do videos later. And I I think I'll consider podcasts, but it's yeah. that I really like human connection, talking to face to face. And then I might consider doing YouTube or maybe podcasts, but, but I'll have to think about that. A lot of people now actually, a lot of podcasters now actually record on YouTube and then take the audio and put that in a podcast so that people can, you can consume it in whichever way they want. Uh huh. Yeah, I think we can consider that. Yeah, Yeah, that would just be really cool because your 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 voice is so interesting and your your personality is so wonderful that I think people would really like to hear your stories not just on the screen but from you. I think that would be really interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. No, thank you. This has been really fun. Okay, so let's let's get to it now. So you've Uh you've done something very interesting rather recently, haven't you? (laughs) Well, it was uh, quite an adventure. Holy cow. Can you give us a quick summary of your adventure? You started last year on the trip, right? It was That's right. So I made up my mind in February and I kicked it off. Like I seriously like started preparing for it from first week of March. So it's actually like exactly one year before I started this trip. At this time, I was making the PowerPoints for like project introduction for mm-hmm. all the and so I started putting out the 
project summary to all the big companies in China, all the Korean companies, mm-hmm. and um, I kicked Before off. Before you go this- any further, Eva, can you quickly give a summary of uh, of the trip that you took for the listeners? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, it was a cycling trip from Shanghai to. London, following the Silk Road and interviewing the startup entrepreneurs from all those countries on the way, 15 countries, and also holding a seminar in each country. And so it was a three layers of work, cycling, interviewing, and holding seminars. And I started with my Chinese friend and he dropped off the project on the fourth month in October. And then I, I finished the trip alone and came back to Korea on February 2nd. So it was all exactly eight months trip. And so yeah. not only did you bike from Shanghai to London, but you interviewed people along the way and had seminars as well. That's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know it was. How in the yeah. world did you do all of that? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of simple. Like, well, you just cycle until you get to the their the capital city or the biggest city out of capital. And yeah, I first all search for the company that I want to interview on LinkedIn or through the introduction, right. and then I do the interview, and then I hold a seminar. I promote the seminar in Couchsurfing or. Uh, through the local kind of community. And then I hold a seminar there and share my experience. And so, yeah, easy, like cycling on the road. And once I'm in the big city, I do the interview and seminar. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. Did it feel easy as you were doing all of this? You know, when you have a very clear goal, Hmm. like your destination is London and you know you have to do it because you promised. Hmm. You know, I have a... 14 sponsors behind. So I always had a kind of motivation. I, I knew what I was doing and I knew I can do it because compared to like what I did in the past, like interviewing the 75 companies in Israel. And um, I was like, how should I say? I was like giving out papers in Ecuadorian uh, university, like two hours, like every day. So it was like, it was, I knew I could do it. And sometimes it was really tough in terms of cycling but um interview wise or doing the seminar wise it was I was comfortable with it and you said there's a book coming out of it right you're writing a book right now yeah when is that when can we see that um I think I'll publish it in Korean first and then I'll publish it in English and hopefully I'll it'll be published this year hopefully um before September Okay. And where online can the listeners see? I know on WeChat, I was following you in, in one of the groups that you created. But for people that aren't on WeChat, where can they see bits of the trip? That Because I know you blogged and you took pictures and you did all kinds of things. Where can they see that? Yeah, I have a website called uh, seekroad.co. And so so it's instead of Silk Road, you put seek, like S-E-E-K, not C-O. Not .com, but .co. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Now, let's focus on the virtual part of that experience because you're going through 15 uh-huh. different countries. How did you navigate how to be online in all of those different places? I was kind of disappointed <laughs> to see that all countries had Wi-Fi connection four or five days that I had have internet. And I was on a ferry, that's why. Like, there, I, I was on a 
36 hours uh, ferry and a 48 hours train um, in Kazakhstan and uh, crossing the Caspian Sea from Kazakhstan to Azerbaijan. That was the longest time I didn't have internet. Otherwise, I was always with internet, surprisingly. In some houses that I visited, like locals' houses, they didn't have internet, but it didn't bother me because, well, I can go to cafes and like internet cafes anyways. And so it wasn't a big deal. And when I was in Croatia, uh, my phone totally broke down. Like, and I went to the two repair shop, but they, they told me to buy a new one. And so for one week, I didn't have phone. So I totally relied on like road signs and went to the destination I wanted to go. And I think that was the longest time. And I kind of, why do you say you're disappointed that you had so much uh, internet? Were you you hoping um, to take a break from it then? Yeah, because it was almost the same reason for Ecuador. I wanted to get out of my current life. I was like, so well connected on internet and on phone to mm-hmm. all the people. And as a journalist, you lead a really smooth, comfortable life. Like say, for example, like 10 sentence, a conference, mm-hmm. they book me like airplane, like five star hotel. And as a journalist working in China, you take it for granted. And I thought, Oh, if I move to another country to start a new job, be almost the same like Mm -hmm. I would go there with airplane I'll be online as I did in China and things wouldn't change so much Mm -hmm. but I wanted something wholly different I wanted kind of like change in myself Mm -hmm. and that's why I chose cycling I wanted kind of give myself a Mm -hmm. self-discipline and I thought I would get that if I start cycling Mm -hmm. but in the contrary um since I promised my sponsors that I'll be posting mm. on social media all the time. Yeah. And I had to al- always like post things on social media. And so I found myself, I'm either cycling or I was online. Mm. And <laughs> even though I had a like really good time with local people, I always had to write it down. So I, I'll be ultimately on online anyways. And how should I say? I, I really realized this is um kind of extension of what I was doing in Shanghai. I had like a professional life and I was like writing like other parts that I wouldn't write on article on my blog. And it was kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I kind of put, yeah, disappointed. You were biking for a long time, obviously. Were you listening to anything while you were biking? Ah. My friend had a Bluetooth uh, speaker. And mm-hmm. so we would listen to songs as we go, mm-hmm. uh, both pop songs and Chinese songs. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was only one month that we cycled together. And then uh, from then on, I cycled alone because like he liked to sleep in the morning and I couldn't stand the sun. The sun. And so I had to like get up early and get to the destination by noon. And so we were cycling at different times um, from July. And so, yeah, it kind of changed. So uh, I didn't 
listen to anything. Yeah, as I was going, you were biking for hours a day without listening to anything at all. That's right.、Uh, so for I think in average I cycled like eight hours every day, and I wasn't listening to anything. What? Okay, I'm. I, I have to ask because my my. I, I think you might be similar to this. Like my brain's always kind of either consuming something or thinking about something. Were you thinking of anything or planning anything? Or I'm the person who has a lot of thoughts always,、mm -hmm. and so I was like always talking, thinking about things. And I, I was like, I was talking to myself. I was singing, and I was thinking about like what I'm going to do next. Yeah, like. I was thinking about this kind of podcast. Like, what am I going to say after this? And、um, yeah, I was like, wow, it was really random thoughts. Yeah, But,、um, yeah, that's kind of fun. So you had a playlist in your head. <laughs> I know. I was I was doing like self interview. Oh, Eva, like, how do you feel like after all this? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> You know, it's know. funny because we have so much content available to us now, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I'm not someone who says, "No, we have too much; we need to pull back." I'm not, but I do remember as a kid before all of this because I was I was alive before the internet was used by regular people. <laughs> so I did used to like take my tape recorder and like make up TV, like radio shows and like make you know you made up stuff as a kid. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. So I mean, I get that. I get what what was happening in your head. That's kind of fun. Have you said anything today that you rehearsed on your bicycle trip? I was getting ready for a Chinese interview, and so I was like <laughs> talking to myself in Chinese, not to forget also yeah.、Uh, yeah. language. And so, ah,、oh, yeah. I guess, I guess you know. Once you're in a podcast interview, like things just come out before you think, and so I think it's kind of yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the situation was very different. Okay, okay. Well, that brings up a good point. You you write in three languages. Are you doing? Have you been doing publicity for not just publicity, but have you been interviewing and stuff about the trip in Korean, Chinese, and English? Ah,、uh, you mean like when I do that interview or? Yeah, when you when you interview or when you email people or talk to people about the the trips that you did, are you doing it in all three of those languages? Yes. So in China, yeah, wholly Chinese interviews. Yeah. And from、uh, out of China, it was all English,、mm -hmm. and I still need to do a Korean startup interview and the seminar, and yeah, it will be in Korean. Just wow. When you talk about this trip in those three different languages, does it? Feel the same? Do you describe it the same, or are there any differences in how? You wow, there is a difference because you know the language carries the culture you're in, right? So,、um, for example, speaking Korean is being polite,、mm -hmm. and you have to Koreans like people who are humble, and so I think I'm viewed as a that kind of can be a little bit shy and in, introverts in Korean,、mm -hmm. and yeah, being polite, but all.、Uh, But yeah, in in English, I'm very straightforward, and I and I like myself talking in English because it's like it carries my professional life, and so I'm kind of straight to the point, and I like that about English. I think about Chinese; it's also catching up my English level, but I still have to work on it. But yeah, I think、uh, China also carries kind of like ethic and being humble culture, and I, I always try to like. Remind myself, like, 
yeah, I have to follow kind of their kind of role. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What are you doing next? Actually, I'm applying for the master's degree in、mm-hmm. UK, and、mm-hmm. I plan to move to Europe this year. And I'll be I'll I'll be working in uh France uh learning French because I'm I like starting from scratch、mm-hmm. and I like a really big change in life too.、Yeah. I think yeah, it's my it's my passion like learning new language culture and going through a challenge is、yeah. my passion and I and I feel alive when I do that、mm-hmm. and so. I see Korea as a like a gas station, like charge myself and like once more like challenge in other country. And so I know I'm having, I'm charging myself right now, and、mm-hmm. I know I'll I'll um be challenging once more. I think that is the best description of being an expat that I have ever heard. <laughs> When people say, "Why don't you want to be home more?" I'm going to use that phrase that you just said right there, and I'll give you credit for it. But my gosh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very straightforward. Yeah, 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 no, that is awesome. For a lot of people, I've noticed Eva that when they change countries, they massage what they do online with what they need in that place and to keep in touch with people back home. But it seems like you also have this third space. Where and I could be completely wrong, so please correct me if I am. But you seem to have this third space where you pull back from the internet, regardless of geography, and do、mm-hmm. what you need to do offline.、Mm-hmm. Is that at all、oh, true, or am I making stuff up? <laughs> yeah, you have a point there. So, say I'm in a random place, I'm in a new place,、mm-hmm. then I really rely on locals, like um, I'm. I think I'm always with local, either using. Or couchsurfing, or using Meetup, I'm always with local, and I, I always ask for their help when I have a problem, and I like on online. I only talk to one person. I only focus on one person. I just talk to my mom. I just like tell her what happened, and then it's not that not that often. It's like once a week or one month. It's just to keep up、uh, and to let her relax, and and otherwise, I would write down all my kind of observations、mm-hmm. in in my blog, and that's how I kind of process what happens to me. And then I think I really kind of take a rest from my online life、mm-hmm. by interacting with locals. So I see myself either being online by myself or being with locals outside. And I think I wouldn't like spend time alone otherwise, like、mm-hmm. offline. Say I always like meditate in the morning, and I think that that's already good enough to give myself energy. So when you first get to a new place, do you stop doing a lot online and talk to locals more? That's right. That's really really cool. And it seems like you learn languages pretty quickly, so you can kind of you can use that. To help you talk to them, is that right?、True? Yeah, and because I, I have, I think I have a good stamina. Like I don't have to sleep that much,、mm-hmm. so I always find myself waking up earlier than other people.、Mm-hmm. And so I, anyways, I always have a good, a good amount of free time for myself to write down things. Right, right, and right. And so it's like 
people look at me like a spy. When I'm with when I'm with locals, I I totally focus on them. I have a good time with them. And yeah. once they're sleeping or doing their stuff, I'm like writing, like wholly focused and <laughs> something like that. That is so insanely inspiring. Okay, two more questions. Two more questions. Um, I love it. What do you thank you? What do you think you might do online? differently in the future than you have done in the past and it doesn't have to be something that exists now just something either futuristically cool 10 20 years from now or something that you've just wanted to do for a while could be anything as I'm doing masters in UK Mm -hmm. I really want to be like away from my current hobby like not blogging all the stuff that goes around and I want I don't want to make a like tiny tiny bits of like my life into a blog but rather like say I devote I don't know six months into a research and I come out with a meaningful result Mm -hmm. or yeah I wanted I said to myself because in Korean age I'm 30 this year and I'm 28 in an international age and Mm -hmm. it's like it gives me a lot of like responsibility. I told myself that now I want to be like a doing person rather than like writing down what others did as a journalist. And so now I know it's really important that I kind of give myself responsibility mm-hmm. for the, for the things I did in the past and like being a inspiring other people. So in that ways, I think I'll focus on maybe talking, maybe doing videos or giving more lectures, but, but rather than writing, like really making meaningful actions that, that can really create change. And because during, during this uh, cycling trip, I met so many people who inspired me who were like entrepreneur, but they went to the small village to open their little school or to become a farmer And it was like, wow, it was so different. And I learned a lot from them. Mm -hmm. And they are actually the ones I want you to interview for the next next podcast. And yeah, I think in the future, I'll be more like an action person. What are you going to study in the master's program? I think it'll be sociology, which includes uh, media and culture study. And I think I'll enjoy it a lot because I was always into it. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 and yes. That sounds really fascinating. So keeping in mind in this podcast, we're trying to figure out when expats move around, if that affects what they do online. Uh, What questions are missing from this, 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 this podcast? What should I ask future guests? I think because I'm the person who thinks the offline is actually what really matters then online or, or offline should like keep up with like what you're doing on online. So I think being aware of sustainability is really important. So I think I would ask, like, I know it's really like off from the, your, maybe off from your topic, but what if we don't have all this, like what electricity, what if you cannot use internet anymore? And I met people who live on this uh, question Yeah, like trying to cut down all the electricity they use and all that. And I think I'll, that's the reason why I'm moving to Europe Mm -hmm. because I'm, I've seen people in Europe who are actually like really kind of attacking that question. And so, you know, in China, they 
manufacture all that, but who's going to do with that electronic waste? And mm-hmm. what, are, what are we going to do if we don't have like electricity and internet anymore? Mm-hmm. And I think I need to like put myself more on that side to be more wise mm-hmm. in online. So I think it's a kind of important question. Wow. Okay. So is the question about the internet or just about electricity in general? In first step, it's about internet. And secondly, it's about, it's about like ourselves, seeing ourselves being consumers and Mm -hmm. uh, consuming a lot of electricity and resources. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's an important question. Yeah. Somebody mentioned yesterday to me that they are now developing technology in China to extract the coal from the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of me is like, well, let's just not put it there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why That's are we right. using electricity to take coal from the air when we could just use cleaner technologies to not put it there in the first place? It, it seemed like a vicious circle that I, like, know. I know I was supposed to be impressed by it, but I was more like, eh, I don't know. But I think it, it's similar to what you're saying. Like we have to be conscious of what we're choosing with our, our resources. And that's a beautiful question. Okay, let's let's hone it just for your answer because you have to answer your own question now. <laughs> yeah. Let's focus just on the internet. What would you do if you didn't have the internet anymore? I kind of uh, found question in one small village in France. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised because they were not paying money, but uh, they were having kind of like community folk dance party and like seriously nobody nobody like paid money to enjoy themselves and like playing the instrument dancing and uh like enjoying that delicious food everybody brought their own food they brought the instrument and then they played music everybody danced the uh folk dance and it was all different age groups from like 20 something year old to 60 something year old and i felt like Ah, oh, this village doesn't need electricity to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't need corporates to host events and no advertisers are needed mm-hmm. once people bring up what they have and they just connect just like that. And wow, it was all really, yeah, it was kind of culture shock. I was amazed by how tradition carries on through generation and they, they were like, in that way, they were fighting like what we're promoting. We promote like consumption. We promote like, I mean, content consumption and goods consumption. But what I learned from the strip is that you don't really need money or, or you don't need what you need in online life to live. Maybe learn to produce like food and uh, I don't know, write a paper kind of stories and pains and live a offline life and find ways to like inspire others in a mm-hmm. kind of human face-to-face con- connection. But yeah, I hear this, this, this kind of question come up a lot. And I do hear a lot of people take one of two routes. One is kind of where I am of, I will cry for days. And the second one is more of where you are, which is it'd be fine. I would just live an offline life the whole time. But honestly, it feels like there's got to be some sort of in between where we can spend some time online and have that online existence feed into our offline existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need you need both. You need yeah. both, but you yeah. need a really good balance. And 
Sometimes I I see myself, oh, there's too much online or there was too much offline. I didn't like really write anything about it. And so I also try to keep balance. Yeah. But I was skeptical seeing all the, like, especially in China, like all people watching phones on screen in trains and subways, and like promoting all the like entrepreneurial actions by like working on your computer all the time. I felt like it's, that's not the way to go. Like I thought thinking about the future, I think people kind of see like uh, the, the the ones working with the computers, Oh, they're doing like entrepreneurial stuff. But I think going on learn long journeys on, on cycling, not using any resources like cars or trains or whatever, just using your energy to reach the goal kind of give, gave me kind of valuable lesson along the way. And I, and I want young people to learn that. And yeah, there's a beauty of like once you're offline and putting your energy to do something. I hear, rather what you're than- saying, I hear what you're saying. I guess part of what I'm trying to tease out is I feel like we've kind of fallen into the internet and everybody's just doing a lot all the time and we're not really thinking about it that much. And this kind of excess of being online, is that a stage in our like online development and we'll grow out of it? Or are we literally just going to become like computer heads or something <laughs> like I don't know. What do you think? Are we, are we going to like ourselves pull back and have that balance that you were talking about? Do you think we can do that? I think kind of uh, being satisfied with what you have and not being greedy and being in China and Korea, it's really difficult because it's really overpopulated uh, societies. And also us also has kind of that kind of, um, we're greedy. It's fine. You can say it. I think humans by nature are pretty greedy. They want everything that they can get. Yeah, I think um, people need to kind of balance with the life in the nature and offline and more human connections. There's a really good YouTube video that I want you to watch. It's a history of things. I really realized that all our life Mm -hmm. is uh, promoting the consumption. This video talks about how... uh, product is made from manufacturing process to people wasting stuff and you kind of realize that you're you're creating a vicious circle of like creating wasting and you're just making this world like not really sustainable and it's the the thing is that a lot of a lot of us just don't realize that that we're we're so much exposed to all the consumption in whatever, like content or products, and you don't really realize the backside of it. And yeah, I think we need a balance on that. I think we do. And it sounds like you're going to be one of those people to help us realize what that balance is. <laughs> we need to work on that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eva, this has been wonderful. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think the listeners are going to love you and they're going to want to hear you more. So seriously, I know you're going to start a master's degree, but think about the podcast, the video podcast thingy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, lovely. I also came back to kind of, oh, my mission and my first uh, kind of like a uh, statement, what I wanted to be. So I was really happy talking to you. Well, thank you very much. I will see you online. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. 
And thank you so much to Eva Yu for joining us on Virtual Expats. I wish her all of the best of luck in moving countries one more time when she goes to the UK for grad school. And while I'm giving out thank yous, I do need to mention that the music you hear in this podcast is from Damon Castillo, brilliant musician based in San Luis Obispo, California. You can find him at DamonCastillo.com. The music you're hearing is from the Mess of Me album. Once again, if you'd like to reach me for any questions, feedback, or to volunteer to be a guest, my social media handle is StephFuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O. That is also my Gmail account, and it's at everywhere. I'm just everywhere. Thank you very much to the listeners of this podcast. It is because of you listening that I continue to have these conversations with these amazing, amazing people who dare to live elsewhere on and offline. 